Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that exposes the hideous happenings all over the world. And we read the news, so you don't have to, one hour per week, and uh, you don't have to worry about it the rest of the time. We worry about it all the time because that's our job. I'm Kevin Barrett with Cat McGuire. How are you, Cat? Hey, hi, Kevin. Very good. All right. Great to have you back. Thank so, you. Yeah, let's get going here with the usual obligatory disclaimers. Uh, uh, questions could be very disturbing, so watch us question everything, and then, in the next slide, be very disturbed. And if you can't handle it, um, you probably should be watching my cat videos. I only have a couple of cat videos out, and if people c continue to contribute to the show, I won't have to do nothing but cat videos. Um, and uh, <laughs> if you're worried about our medical or mental health, uh, stop worrying. We're in perfectly good shape. Now, wait a minute. That's not the disclaimer. The disclaimer is uh, we're not offering medical or mental health treatment unless you can pay us like at least a million dollars in Bitcoin like you pay Alex Jones, in which case I'll be happy to cure whatever ails you <laughs> mentally and or physically. Um, just kidding. And finally, uh, I guess that's it. That's the last disclaimer. So here we are in this week's news. The bald-faced liars, bald faces are sprouting very long noses. Hey, what else is news? I mean, what else is news? Well, the, the question, that's the question we're going to actually answer for you today on False Flag Weekly News, where we do watch the news so you don't have to. We're going to save you from reading 28 or 29 terrible bad news stories. So, but let's, let's front load this week with the good news story. Hey, Kat, this is great news. And you insisted on shoehorning this thing right up into, into our show. The uh, WHO forced into a humiliating backdown as Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, Iran, and Malaysia, and a whole lot of other countries. I pretty much the entire non-privileged world rebelled against the WHO scamdemic treaty. I mean, this is fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'd like to give a little background of what's going on. It's so coincidental that, or, or not, that it happened to take place uh, right during the Davos gathering and as a monkeypox virus breaks out. So <laughs> planned, who knows? But the monkeypox didn't work. It didn't terrorize them into, into passing the treaty. Doesn't seem to, um, but it was more than just the treaty. Let me give a little bit of background. Almost every country in the world is a member of WHO, and they abide by something called the International Health Regulations, and that's the IHR that we keep hearing about. And these are the rules that every country agrees that they'll follow in the event of public health emergencies. It's a legal binding document, but it's not really all of that restrictive. And the last time there was an amendment uh, to the IHR was in 2005. So they don't do this a lot. And that global pandemic treaty is really separate from the IHR rules, but they work hand in glove. So anyway, at the big meeting, the whole point of it was for the first time since 2005, um, they were to discuss serious changes being put forth primarily by the West, by the Biden administration and the Five Eyes countries. Um, for example, they want who to be able to sanction countries, uh, force draconian policies um, for countries that don't abide by, for example, lockdowns or vaccines or ID passports. And so obviously these proposed new rules would have a negative impact on the sovereignty of nations and individual bodily autonomy. autonomy. So all these countries led by uh, 47 African nations said no. Um, and uh, China is very involved. Oh, Africa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. But we have to also keep in mind that China's, China is very involved in Africa's development and was probably influential 
um, behind the scenes. But in any event, who cares? Um, this is great. And two other interesting outcomes happened at the gathering. One was China was elected to the who, to whose executive board. That's kind of tectonic. Who knows where that's going to go? And um, another thing that we didn't hear anything about is that deviating from the focus on the IHR rules, two dozen countries took the opportunity to condemn Israel for violating the health rights of Palestinians and the Druze people of the Golan Heights. So yay, yay, yay. Okay, so everybody had been uh, afraid of terrible news, and it turned out to be not so bad at all. So, so far. <laughs> on, though, we did have some bad news this week, so where do we start? Uh, how about uh, the real bad news is, of course, as usual, war, children, it's just a shot away. And, boy, it's getting closer and closer uh, every day here. Um, Biden flipped, flopped, flipped, flopped, and flopped and flipped a few more times on this issue of providing these medium-range, quote-unquote, rocket systems to Ukraine that could easily be used to hit targets deep inside Russia, which would then force Russia to respond in such a way that we would probably get major escalation. And that's exactly what Zelensky might want. So giving these things to Zelensky is pretty insane. Um, uh, they're called Himars, which is the Arabic word for donkeys. Uh, and it's a, it's a common insult in Arabic. So calling these things Himars is, is kind of amusing, but it's not amusing that they can send munitions 43 miles. And with, if, if Biden were to give them other munitions, they could be up to 190 miles in range, which of course would allow the Yukis to attack deep into Russian territory, which would inevitably turn this into, well, something heading straight towards World War III. So, uh, and then in the next slide, we see that Russia once again, uh, held these big nuclear war drills, sending a very strong signal and saying that, once again, Biden is risking, quote unquote, direct conflict. And we're talking again about uh, the likelihood of quick escalation to World War Three with losses of entire cities and uh, poisoning of large portions of entire continents. And when that happens, uh, you know, don't say we didn't warn you here at False Flag Weekly News. Yeah, well, um, for that um, um the U.S. is very sneaky with its language. So in response to Russia's concern um, about the Ukrainians' heavier weaponry increases the risk of them attacking Russia, our U.N. representative, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, said, um, we're not providing any weapons that allow the Ukrainians to attack Russia from inside the Ukraine. So here, the operative phrase that they're using in the front of the whole world is from inside. Oh, yeah? If you launch rockets right at Russia's borders with Russia, of course they'll land in Russia. So um, it, it was just all... But Zelensky promised not to do that, at least until he feels the need to. Yeah. And, and then they say, we're not going to become a party to war. This whole war has been caused by the U.S. It's just such a blatant lie. And they try to hide behind their languaging. But um, what we have to remember is uh, that a third of the Biden administration is Zionist and the Ukraine is in the heart of the pale of settlement. So that's driving a lot of what's going on. Right. So not only did they feel the, the right to go take back their so-called ancient homeland in Palestine, but they also get to take back their ancient, somewhat less ancient homeland in the Pale of Settlement. Um, I, and I wonder what it'll be next. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, they say the lost tribes of Israel were all over the world. So pretty much uh, the Israelis or the Zionists can, can go anywhere they want and uh, conjure up some of those legends as well as all these other legends. Anyway, so nuclear war is on the... Uh, 
back burner here, but it's getting towards the front burner. Scott Ritter did another pretty good balanced analysis. Uh, Scott Ritter raised some eyebrows a couple weeks ago by saying, yeah, actually this you know, $60 billion worth of Western weaponry heading into Ukraine could be a game changer or at least severely complicate things for the Russian side. But here is a, a totally balanced analysis pointing out that Russia has indeed uh, essentially all but achieved its main objective of liberating the Lugansk and Donetsk regions, that is the Donbass. And the other objective of denazifying Ukraine is going to be a lot harder. Ultimately, Kat, I think the only way that they're going to denazify Ukraine would be to denazify the USA, which means removing the neocons from power and permanently destroying neoconservatism. The only way that's going to happen is a major catastrophic U.S. military defeat. So basically, this is a world war of the neocon-run world, again, uh, or of the non-neocon world against the neocons. And its objective is to liberate the USA from the 9-11 perp neocons. That's what's really going on here. And uh, all those people who think I'm too sympathetic to Russia, well, isn't I like Russia? It's that I don't like the neocons. Very well put, Kevin. Yes, this, this, it's all this proxy war, but it works two ways. It's um, they're having to uh, go at us um, through uh, the Ukraine as well. Russia has to go at us. And um, what I really like is how Ritter explained the um that the US NATO is pushing for a rules-based international order, whereas Russia and China um are adhering to a law-based international order grounded in the UN Charter. So this is what justifies and can back up Russia's actions um, by sticking with global law, because according to Article 51 of the UN Charter, um imminent threat allows for preemptive collective self-defense. And that's why Putin had the right to invade Ukraine based on NATO's missiles um, and bioweapons labs at its border. So um, just knowing on the ground truth, you would think the U.S. could see that there's going to be an embarrassing day of reckoning from all of their lies, but they just keep doubling down uh, in a war that they're never going to win. Um, I guess it's because they're ultimately beholden to feeding the coffers of the military industrial, industrial complex, um, along with going along with the Zionist think tanks running this country who are trying to force march everyone into a unipolar world that, um, they can, so that they can then have their globalist wet dream. Yeah, I think that's what they want. And I think that to the extent that there is any strategy behind this insane adventure in Ukraine, what they're trying to achieve is to lure Russia into a bear trap like Afghanistan and bleed Russia, significantly weaken Russia. And once Russia has been weakened or better yet, that regime changed and or divided up into little pieces, an Oded Yunon style plan against Russia, then they can turn to China and try to crush China. So that I think is the, their attempted strategy, but uh, I don't think it's going to work. And there are all kinds of, you know, blowback kind of possibilities here. Uh, many people thought that when the U.S. basically created so-called extremist Wahhabi Islam, uh, that that wasn't such a great idea. Uh, they often point to 9-11, and of course they're wrong because it wasn't even <laughs> Al-Qaeda that did 9-11, but there wouldn't have been a 9-11 if the U.S. hadn't created the extremist movements that it could then falsely blame on 9-11. So guess what? We're doing the same thing here with Ukraine, training and brainwashing fanatical uh, extremists to do our dirty work. So this, this article from the gray zone by TJ Coles describes how the CIA and U S special forces, among other branches of government are training units in Ukraine 
that are then, uh, according to U.S. plan, going on to train and recruit Nazi paramilitary units and gangs, not just from Ukraine itself, which is rife with Ukro-Nazism, but even white nationalist Americans and other neo-Nazi types from around the world are traveling to Ukraine and getting this U.S.-funded training. That is, folks, your tax dollars at work. What could possibly go wrong, Kat? Well, the article um, thinks what will go wrong is what they call dire predictions for a Ukrainian blowback. Uh, the liberal left writer speculates that all these turbocharged neo-Nazis are going to come back to the U.S. and the extremists will take over. Uh, West Point has a combating terrorism center that claims that the Ukraine conflict serves as a uh, quote, um, a powerful accelerator for global white supremacy. Well, this point of view dovetails with the liberal left's uh, war against anyone who is not in agreement with their policies, be it COVID, woke, Ukraine, or whatever. And they want to criminalize viewpoints not in line with their own. We've seen them try to criminalize mainstream Americans who voted for Trump, for example, by holding many of them as political prisoners who have been languishing in jail in solitary confinement for over a year on bogus charges of insurrection. So what does this have to do with these Ukrainian um, uh, neo-Nazi fighters? Well, what, um, they're, they're, well, what they're doing, Kat, is they're demonizing everybody who has certain kinds of political views by training these people and turning them into maniacs, zombies, and extremists. And then they're going to set up false flags or maybe even just let these people do crazy things. And then they can try to smear everybody with those political views in the same way that they smeared all Muslims, especially Muslims who are willing to stand up and fight for what's right in places like Palestine by creating these radical Wahhabi currents uh, out of their, you know, from their Saudi controlled puppet so-called allies. They're doing the same thing here. So they're, they're going to create these extremist neo-Nazi terrorists, and then they're going to probably run some of them. They're going to create incidents and they're going to use that to say, Oh no, look at the evil white supremacists. Uh, you know, the, the 40% of America, who don't agree with us on this, that, and the other policy are all a bunch of terrorists. That's exactly what I was going to say, is how, you know, if you're a good CIA handler of your Ukraine mercenaries, you now have many more agents provocateur uh, to infiltrate into normal, everyday um, Americans who don't particularly agree with the Biden administration. And the other thing that we have to keep in mind that's really of concern, not a lot of people know about it, it's not getting well publicized, is that Congress, as we speak, is in the process of passing alarming legislation to criminalize, quote, um, the domestic terrorist um, threat of white supremacists and neo-Nazis. This is, it's in the House right now, um, almost passed. So yeah, they're, the, the gray zone writers concerned about extremist blowback. No, I'm more concerned about how in these false flags they catch in their concocted dragnets more and more mainstream Americans who simply are not in agreement with the current liberal left ideologies. Right. Yeah. So I agree. The article didn't quite carry it far enough, but at least they started down the right path. Well, the other aspect of the Western or rather NATO U.S. Zionist strategy in Ukraine is, is it's not just to bleed Russia and create a bear trap for Russia. It's also to crush and destroy Europe. And Pepe Escobar has been writing about this, and I just wrote about this, borrowing from Pepe, among many other analysts, for the Crescent uh, magazine. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's pathetic how Europe has allowed itself to be used in this way, and, and Ukraine has too, you know, and, and Europe – 
and Ukraine are both going to be victims of this. Ukraine is getting it worse. But, you know, if this goes beyond Ukraine's borders, uh, Europe could end up just totally in flames. And even if that doesn't happen, it's guaranteed to totally destroy Europe's economy. They don't get any more cheap Russian gas. They're going to have to try to retool to buy the expensive American propane. And uh, at every level, this has been designed to destroy Europe, which is actually, alongside China, the biggest single challenger to the Zio-American empire. And this, I think it's deliberate. I think this is a U.S. Zionist war, not only on Russia, but also on Europe. Oh, absolutely. Maybe almost even more so. And I'm hoping that Europe will stand up to the United States. I would like to think that this shock and awe of extreme deprivation will surely be a slap in the face to Europeans to snap out of it. Um, and that they then have a double whammy wake up call on their COVID derangement syndrome as well. So hopefully it might just really shake them up all the way around. That would be great. Let's see a yellow vest revolution all the way across yes. Europe. Wake yes. up Europe. Take back your sovereignty. Hey, uh, I don't mind. I'm not going to go over there and try to uh, fight you to <laughs> keep you occupied. I mean, Europe's been occupied since World War II. Maybe it's time to let them go. Time to let the rest of the world go too. Um, but of course, the neocons uh, don't agree with that, and they totally dominate our media. So we're getting nonstop lies about the Ukraine situation and everything else. Let's look at some of these lies. Uh, the next story is about the Washington Post lies about a supposed Russian naval blockade. That is, the Post tells us, quote, the U.S. and other world leaders have accused Russia of intentionally disrupting global food supplies by preventing Ukraine from exporting grain and other key agricultural products. You read the article and you discover it's a flat out lie. There is no blockade. Russia has not even stopped, much less turned around a single food bearing cargo ship. Uh, so what's really going on here is that the Ukrainian side has mined the ports and that the uncertainty has kept the cargo ships away, there's no blockade. But the whole story is a big lie because most people just scan the headline, read it casually, and come away with the impression that there's a Russian blockade, which there isn't. And this is a classic example of a Russian propaganda lie, and Ken Meyercord did a good job of dismantling it here. Yeah, it's amazing how the media used to use innuendo or insinuation, and now it's just astonishing. It's just outright lies. It's almost like um, in, in their own delusion that if they keep the propaganda flowing, maybe the narrative will become real. I wish all Americans would be forced to watch Wag the Dog and see what's really going on here. There's a lot of dog wagging going on, that's for sure. And then, of course, Biden just raised that 40 percent of our corn crop that's going to ethanol. Now it's going up over 50 percent. Uh, that's food. That's grain that could be feeding people. Uh, but it's going into our cars, and now Biden's putting even more of it into our cars, almost as if it's a deliberate attempt to provoke more famine, which then they can blame on Putin by making up more lies. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> more lies. Next next story. Rape allegations against Russian troops in Ukraine were false. Now, this, this headline does not tell us that every single rape allegation ever made against any Russian troop in Ukraine ever was false. If that, 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 that would be false because in World War II, we know that there were, there was a, a lot of rape by Russian troops, uh, going into Germany, just as there were all kinds of rapes by U.S. troops coming into Germany from the other side. However, in this particular war, uh, it does seem that this, flurry of rape accusations put out by human rights ombudsman uh, Lyudmila Denisova was complete BS. Uh, she's not even in Ukraine. She's just making stuff up. NGOs sent all their people into Ukraine to collect the evidence and interview the victims. And they couldn't find a single victim. 
And so now the Ukrainian parliament has been forced to fire this woman and by saying that, quote, she's been making all these accusations that, quote, couldn't be confirmed with evidence and that that only harms Ukraine and distracts the global media from Ukraine's real needs. So once again, these insane propaganda lies are being made up at wholesale by the Western media and their accomplices turn out to be debunked uh, weeks or a month or two later. Uh, but, of course, the people who saw the first initial stories about this are never going to catch the debunking. And they're still going to think that the Russians are raping everybody in Ukraine. Exactly. Um, well, I looked up the picture of this woman, uh, Ludmila. That's not her that we're seeing right now. She's more of a babe. And so I, you know, I it, it's not right to uh, diss blondes, but um, this woman is blonde and, and she's just dumber than rocks. She reminds me of Kamala Harris. You know how Kamala is famous for turning the talking points that they give her into like a word salad where she pe- repeats the same words or phrases so many times that her speeches are become drivel. So it kind of well, hypnotizes Kamala, people, though, I think. It's well, I bet um, Lumila was encouraged to make sure Russia is vilified in the West as a war criminal, especially for sex crimes. And channeling Kamala, Ludmilla probably turbocharged her marching orders so that out came these lurid fantasies that even her own team had to quell. They were so ridiculous. Yeah, really, totally disgusting stuff about uh, babies and it reminding us of the Belgian baby bayonet stories from World War I. Uh, so anyway, there obviously are going to be some war crimes wherever there's a war. And there are going to be war crimes trials, apparently. Uh, Russia is preparing war crimes trials for the Nazis that were holed up in the Avastol plant, were basically now all all out. And, of course, they're trying to separate the, the uh, war criminals from the rest. Uh, the uh, Donetsk uh, President Denis uh, Pushilin said that there's going to be a tribunal. Its main task is to be held with maximum publicity and maximum transparency. And meanwhile, over in Ukraine, they're putting out uh, war crimes prosecution plans as well. However, the Ukrainian ones, Kat, look a little bit more dicey to me, because <laughs> unlike the Russian plans, which are totally focused on real war criminals, here they're blabbering about, oh, we're going to get Putin. You know, we're going to get the top senior perpetrators. So for them, basically anybody that has anything to do with this war, especially the leading commanders, are, are the war criminals. And that makes me wonder, you know, whether the issue of actual war crimes is even going to arise or whether this is just all propaganda. Well, I hope the Russians uh, move forward with their war crimes. I can't wait for them to trot out Western mercenaries like the special forces or the U.S. military, because we've had some semi-top brass sent there. Um, but if the Ukrainians think they're going to be able to pin, they're saying 15,000 war crimes on Russia. I mean, it's so absurd. If anything, the investigations are going to reveal is probably their own ruthless neo-Nazis who did the crimes. Compared to the rape and pillage the U.S. did to Iraq, the Russians uh, look like choir boys. There's no way there's going to be they're going to be able to pin anything on them. And uh, I, I think lying uh, outrageously uh, even in wartime, probably should be a war crime too. Um, of course, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and 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 speaking of outrageous lies, some of the most amusing examples uh, came this week with the uh, Putin is dead rumor is now being accelerated, and it's the now Putin has been replaced by a double. And I wonder if Jim Fetzer is the source of this rumor because he's well known in the alternative info community. 
for uh, supporting a whole lot of theories about people who've been replaced by doubles, including Joe Biden and most famously, of course, Paul McCartney. Jim Fetzer says Paul McCartney was replaced in 1966, I think it was, with another left-handed bass player who looks exactly like him and plays it at least as well, if not better, and is a better songwriter. So uh, that's quite an interesting theory. And I've debated this with Jim and had Sterling Harwood on talking about that. Anyway, uh, Putin replaced by a double. I thought that this is, you know, this is like totally vague, no corroboration, no details, just like all these other Putin is sick, Putin is dead, Putin is this, Putin is that kinds of nonsense rumors being reported all the time in the Western media. So I couldn't resist doing a little parody of that with uh, the next slide, which is uh, the Western intelligence. Putin is sick, dead, or worse. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, satire pretty much writes itself these days. <laughs> so it's a good, you know, bad times to be alive for normal people, but good times for satirists. Well, the media has a strong predilection for projection. If they're accusing you of something, you can be pretty sure it's something they're guilty of. Indeed. Uh, it's, it's interesting, though, that the Russians uh, don't seem to be lying nearly this outrageously. I mean, you know, and, and the crazy stuff about Zelensky is basically true. Yes, he does play piano with his male organ. He's on the record on the video doing that. And that's not his KGB didn't make that video. He made that video or rather, you know, Kolomoisky, his, his billionaire Zionist oligarch controller uh, and their entertainment team made that video. And you know, Zelensky being a comedian uh, who somehow amassed uh, billions of dollars in wealth, all this stuff about Zelensky, it looks like it's true. And then meanwhile, all this nonsense about Putin, they're just making stuff up. And the same seems to be true at sort of just about every level about this war, including who's winning, right? I mean, the, the Russians are very calm and methodical about the way they describe their calm, methodical advances. And it all pretty much checks out. And the pro quote unquote pro Ukraine side was really the, uh, the Zio American side just keeps putting out all this nonsense. Oh, the Russians are losing horribly. You know, but we're going to take Moscow any day now. And, uh, I guess this week that kind of fell apart as, as the whole Donbar region, uh, the Donbass region looks like it's, it's now, uh, dominated by the Russians anyway. So, uh, it's, it's just completely bizarre how there's that asymmetry, but I suppose it's because the West dominates the global media. So they think they can get away with lying. Whereas the Russians know that even if they tell the truth, the Western media machine is going to attack them. Well, also, if we look at history, the Russians were steeped in extreme uh, propaganda lies and probably years and years of that have sobered them to the need to tell the truth. And so hopefully um, the U.S. has reached a boiling point, a fever pitch of all of this line and will flip and revert to more uh, sober honesty like the Russians have seemingly done. So if, if the Samizdat alternative media in Russia helped force the Russian leadership to stop lying so much, uh, maybe we can do that here, too, after a while. Maybe decades from now, people look back at our show and say, hey, False Flight Weekly News was part of this samizdat that finally forced the American government to stop lying and admit the truth about JFK 9-11 and all this other stuff. Uh, we can only dream. And that'll happen maybe if we can, you know, especially if the U.S. loses a major war, but the planet hasn't been completely incinerated is probably how it would be most likely to happen. <laughs> and guess what? Major war is likely on the way. I uh, just asked NBC. They just simulated the coming war with China. And they, they lure you in here with a clickbait of what happened? Who won? And if you actually follow this thing and watch the whole simulation episode on NBC, you find that what happened is that it spun out of control and was heading for World War III when they shut it down. Uh, and the conclusion was 
uh, this is uh, sobering. You know, maybe we shouldn't have this war with China. Hey, you guys are geniuses. <laughs> well, NBC's cheerleading role speaks volumes about the degree that propaganda has become a de facto weapon of war. Um, I loved what uh, Caitlin Johnston wrote. Uh, she has this quote that says, um, the mass psychological manipulation is getting more and more overt and more and more shameless. Um, excellent quote. But just as dangerous as the media right out front putting on these uh, glorified lies is the power of unelected, unaccountable think tanks like uh, CNAS. Um, this organization, CNAS, was very... Um, um, is really probably did all the work for um, NBC. Um, and it stands for Center for a New American Security. That sounds ominously close, like PNAC, mm -hmm. the Project for a New American Century. You know an organization is brimming with bad energy when they've got Richard Armitage on the board. Ooh, good old Dick Armitage. Yeah, he's, he's uh, all kinds of corruption and torture, death squads. I mean, he's he's uh, got his fingers in all kinds of unsavory stuff. Yep. So, yeah, the things that crossed my mind when I watched the simulation were, well, number one, on the positive side, you know, just like the simulation of war with Iran that the Atlantic magazine neocons and neolibs ran back in like 2004 or something like that, uh, which showed that Iran would win um, and I think helped dissuade the decision makers from actually going that far. Likewise, this one, which shows that you can't really keep this under control, it's just going to keep on uh, escalating and heading for nuclear war, uh, should give pause to those who are interested in getting into this war with China. I wish they would also pause in their war with Russia. But in any case, the other thing that crosses my mind looking at this is the question that they never ask on this program is what gives the U.S. the right to tell China what it can and can't do with its own territory? I mean, it's, our official position is that Taiwan is part of China. It's China's territory. So what are, we're going to start World War III to defend part of China from China? Are we insane? Uh, uh, yeah, obviously we're insane. But the world is waking up, and, and the next story here is Pepe Escobar on the attempt to take down the Zio American Empire by taking down its currency domination. Cat, uh, is, is that going to work? I don't think so at all. Um, the... Um, Eurasia Economic Forum is the powerhouse behind this new global game-changing monetary financial system that's like a new Bretton Woods. The West has just been stupid, shooting itself in the foot with these sanctions against Russia by freezing, um, on some level freezing, Russia's foreign exchange reserves in Western central banks. The UK, Europe, and the US, with the dollar, euro, and the pound, have all undermined global reserve currencies altogether. Who wants to do business with thieves? Um, the dollar-based monetary system is toast, and even the CEO of MasterCard let it slip in Davos that SWIFT, um, that S-W-I-F-T, the cross-border payment system, will probably be something of the past because many players are moving to a new economic system that is tied together not by SWIFT anymore, but by central bank digital currencies. And the plan is for the CBDCs to be backed by what they call a basket of new foreign currencies and natural resources. I'm not sure what that all means, but the supposed end result is one, the dollar will be bypassed, and two, the global south will get liberated from both Western debt and IMF-induced austerity. 
the mastermind behind this new geo-economic financial order is this guy named Sergev Glazyev. Uh, I guess he's a renowned Russian economist who says events like this only happen once every century. And he wrote an essay uh, called Sovereignty and Sanctions that clearly speaks with the title to the political dichotomy of a unipolar world where the dollar dominates. And he's claiming that this new alternative system um, has been has built into it a common goal for global well-being in a way that the current dollar centric um, system is just not capable of. So I guess especially we here in the West um, uh, saddled with the dollar system better buckle up for what's coming. That's right. When the dollar loses its global purchasing power, um, stuff at Walmart's going to get a lot more expensive. In fact, everything's going to get a lot more expensive. You think it's getting a lot more expensive now. You just wait till the dollar uh, collapses, which is coming. Um, and again, that might trigger the final uh, overthrow of the neocon regime, which is what I am so avidly looking forward to. That would be the silver lining in the dark cloud of a collapsed American economy. And so, you know, this is, we're, we're living through a kind of World War III by other means. It hasn't reached the nuclear level yet, but we are in a world at war, as Phil Giraldi, the former CIA officer, says. Uh, Phil was actually with me in the last conference I was able to make it to over in, in Iran, in Meshhad, Iran. Uh, that was the first time we were able to bring these ex-CIA, ex-State Department people. Uh, Mike Springman was another one who was there. And, uh, and of course, that this is what pissed off the usual suspects enough so that they basically banned any such further conferences and told us that we would be arrested on the tarmac if we tried to return from any future conferences like that. So Phil Giraldi actually is, he's a, he's a very uh, smart guy. Uh, the fact that he was a CIA officer sort of raises my very low opinion of the CIA. And in, in this excellent article, uh, he, he covers a lot of ground. Uh, go ahead and, and tell us about some of it again. Um, well, the one that I um, actually focused on is where uh, Phil always reminds us that the Zionists hold an inordinate role um, in the Biden administration. On May 18th, Phil was explaining that um, Israel conducted an incredible large-scale drill um, with dozens of um, Israeli fighter jets attacking Iran's nuclear facilities. And what's very interesting about this is for the first time, the U.S. Air Force participated in this aerial simulation, the U.S. played the role as uh, refueling planes. So to me, nothing could more aptly convey the image of the U.S. as Israel's bitch than our Air Force jets subserviently tethered to this these commanding muscular um, Israeli fighter jets while we dutifully funnel them precious oil like some kind of in-air mechanical wet nurse operation. Uh, Giraldi speculated that Israel's air drills against Iran could conceivably turn into a false flag setup. So if Americans um, were in any way participants, Girardi was clear that Israel without hesitation um, would uh, not would shed American blood and not care about it at all. Um, he had an interesting turn of phrase about it. For America, he said, Israel is, quote, a viper in one's bosom, always willing to strike the body that feeds it. So, hey, you Air Force top guns assisting Israel's drills, you better keep your eyeballs peeled. Well, if this ever happened and this drill went live and the U.S. refuelers uh, tethered behind the muscular Israeli planes uh, flew to attack Iran, I can guarantee you that 
Iranian rockets would rain down on every base in the region, and they wouldn't get warning like they got after the assassination of Soleimani, and they wouldn't be aiming to not hurt people like they did after that assassination. They would be aiming to kill as many Americans as possible at all every single base in the region. So if if that's what you want, Biden, uh, well, you're crazy. Because <laughs> uh, this is all being done for Israel anyway. I mean, the U.S. has absolutely no interest whatsoever in even caring about Iran's power in its nuclear program. It'd be just as easy to deal with Iran as a regional he- hegemon now as it was when it was under the Shah. The only difference is that Iran would be a little bit more um, autonomous and following its own interests. But a sane American leadership could live with that. But apparently this leadership can't. Uh, speaking of insane American leadership, let's let's go to domestic stuff and go back to Buffalo, where it turns out that the FBI apparently groomed the Buffalo mass shooter who, who was in regular communication with a so-called retired federal agent during the lead up to the attack. And the shooter even had the FBI agent, apparently, uh, or other federal agent, we don't know. Uh, which agency it was, watch uh, his pl- attack plans. Uh, 30 minutes before the attack happened, the shooter was reviewing his attack plans with a federal agent 30 minutes ahead of time, and he gave the exact coordinates of the target and so on and so forth. So if the federal agent had wanted to stop the shooting, it could have been done. It wasn't. Makes you wonder really whether this was yet another U.S. federal operation rather than a crazy mass shooter. Right. That's what a lot of people are saying. Unfortunately, uh, the article didn't have that much more credible uh, concrete evidence. But is there ever concrete evidence in these events? Um, but what we have to keep um, reminding ourselves, because um, our distractors will uh, will say there's no there there, is that this case has just too many hallmarks of a CIA uh, psyop that we've seen in the past. Um that um, it would lead one to believe the shooter was cultivated, which is um, a grooming. Um, it, this uh, case had an active social media presence, private chat rooms, in this case with the known retired uh, Fed that you were talking about. Um, there was a manifesto present. Uh, they never go after high-value targets. The kid had a history of mental illness. And countless facts about the shooting and the shooter don't add up. So even though there's nothing concrete to trumpet on headlines, we have to look at all of the um, indices that um, indicate that there is grooming and a CIA PSYOP. We can never let them just say, well, where's the evidence? Then we could never talk about the JFK assassination if you have to produce the absolute evidence that are probably on a napkin somewhere that got thrown away. Well, there's actually so much evidence for the JFK assassination that the problem is that people's eyes glaze over when you try to tell them about it. But uh, in in this case, uh, we do see a pattern where the FBI has repeatedly turned crazy people and retarded people into so-called terrorists. 600 cases of Muslims after 9-11 where the FBI hired highly convincing con artist types and and let them out of prison early if they would pretend to convert to Islam and target retarded and or crazy Muslims, uh, preferably young ones, and get them to say something incriminating on tape, and then they could be arrested for terrorism. They turned a paranoid schizophrenic into a bank bomber, apparently, uh, this article mentions. And there's so many cases of this that we can't really trust anything that we're told about these mass shootings. And, of course, the mass shootings have a huge propaganda aspect, as we see in the next slide, 
um, Trump voters believe the ideology of the Buffalo shooter, which is, of course, the idea that, quote, a group of people in this country are trying to replace native-born Americans with immigrants and people of color who share their political views. Well, that's really not that much of a stretch, nor is it an indication of violent uh, tendencies. Uh, so it seems that they're basically trying to smear the uh, nativist Trump voters by uh, guilt by association with this apparent false flag shooting. I could barely read this article. It was so full of misunderstandings, conjectures, outlandish conclusions. It's like having a debate with someone who truly believes in the 1619 Project. You, you just can't go anywhere with that. It's a bankrupt worldview where common sense reasoning has been hijacked. But what I thought of was um, Brexit, um, because they're, they're so concerned about uh, talking about the Great Replacement. And they did the same thing with Bre uh, Brexit, um, that it became perceived as ipso facto uh, racist. Uh, just because someone doesn't want 25% more people added to their town, regardless of their color, is not racist. It was a logistical, practical matter. But I do agree that there is um, a, I believe, a purposeful replacement of white people going on. And the tragedy, one of the tragedies, is that the people, people of color are being induced into believing that those masterminding this replacement agenda, uh, people of color think they will be uplifted as a result. And that's just not true. Uh, there's nothing in the long run game plan that will benefit people of color, only short term benefits. And if and when this new power cabal kicks in, um, it's not going to be for people of color. They're going to be shoved aside like roadkill. So uh, look at all the black people who are jumping from uh, jumping ship from the White House saying it's a toxic environment. Yeah, I get uh, ready for how you're being used. Um, these uh, issues are very complex and to, they deserve thoughtful discussion. And this kind of one note dumbing down of the discussion adds to the divisiveness of the issues and fails to um, explain or illuminate. Yeah, one, note, one note repeated over and over in this article is the great yeah. replacement is a conspiracy theory. The great, so, so what's next? Is the great Gatsby a conspiracy theory? Uh, it's, is, uh, the great white whale a conspiracy theory? That's right. The woke American literature teachers, of course, are going to tell us it's true. The great Gatsby character Tom Buchanan, who worried about the rise of the colored empires is a right supremacist, Putin loving conspiracy theorist who probably doesn't want to get jabbed. Uh, and, and, uh, of course, Gatsby is a crypto Jew. Uh, so it's very anti-Semitic. And, and the great white whale in Moby Dick will henceforth be known as the great transgender whale. And Captain Ahab will be recast as a Putin-loving, anti-Semitic, transphobic conspiracy theorist. Okay, uh, enough of, uh, of that aspect of woke world. Let's, let's move on to the other shooting here, Uvalde, or the Uvalde shooting. Um, it's getting curiouser and curiouser, and the police keep having to walk back all of what they said earlier, changing narratives, changing timelines uh, that were had been presented by law enforcement. This is all from MSN.com, a mainstream outlet. Uh, so even the mainstream can't help noticing that there's something really wrong with this story. The police uh, barged in and were inside a classroom of the school just minutes after the shooting started. And they stayed there and didn't go into where the shooter was. And then a whole bunch more cops came in to the school as well and just stayed there and did nothing for an hour while the shooting continued, totally violating all the known protocols. So something's wrong here. And then we learned, as we see in the next slide, that the Dick Cheney of Uvalde, who ordered the apparent stand-on of the police while the children were being slaughtered, was in fact the police chief, uh, Peter Arredondo who had just been elected to the uh, the Uvalde City Council. Uh, and the details of this just get crazier and uglier. Um, 
So my John Hankey was on my radio show talking about this last week, and uh, John's been following the developments in this case, and it's it's not getting any better. Um, well, the thing about the police is um, there's been talk about how if they can make the police appear um, very incompetent um, and um, uh, say that their performance is bad. The Justice Department is actually now reviewing their police response. So great. Just what we need on top of defunding the police, they're probably now going to get federal police to serve at the local level, if not do away with local police. So where have we seen that before? That's like the uh, the Bolsheviks with Cheka. Um, they got rid of the police and uh, put in Cheka, conducted mass arrests, imprisonment, torture. Um, it was the forerunner of the KGB. But um, and the other thing that's interesting about um, this is that the um, the left always goes for gun control, whereas um, what we see with the right, the answer is always to turn schools into prison fortresses. And I think both solutions are wrongheaded. What we need to do is get to the root of why so many young men are turning into shooters. And of these dozens, if not hundreds of shootings, I learned that the government has never done any real comparative analysis to determine the common factors that the answers have all been um, driven by political solutions. Another angle that I thought was really interesting with this shooter in Uvalde is that he had like these trans tendencies, well, transgender, what used to be called transvestite, I guess they did away with that. It's trans, but in any event, viral photos of him uh, cross-dressing, and then he was supposedly being bullied for his trans tendencies. So where was all the outrage? We usually get unhinged screaming about how transphobia pushed him to the edge um, and that it was all about um, trans insensitivity. Um, it's like those people were told to stand down because uh, don't mess with the gun narrative because they've really been going after gun control on the Uvalde one because you can't go with race. He was a person of color. You can't say white supremacist and don't have time for the trans thing so you can get the, the gun thing in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's interesting, too, isn't it, that when somebody believes in the Great Replacement supposedly is a is a mass shooter, then it's all the fault of everybody who agrees with the Great Replacement theory. But uh, if a trans person becomes a mass shooter, they don't blame the trans ideology or the LBGTQ ideology, uh, which is kind of interesting. So it's it's not exactly a symmetrical playing field. Well, yeah. well you know, I, John Hankey thinks this was an MK Ultra operation in Uvalde and that the, they deliberately stood down to let the killing continue. And I don't know if that's true or not. People can listen to my interview with John Hankey and take draw your own conclusions. We Would the government ever do anything that evil? Well, yeah, they've done zillions of things that evil. And one of those evil things looks like this new monkeypox thing was uh, not only a hoax, but also a, a weaponized uh, virus hoax. And here's Bob Malone's story, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, pointing out that it looks like from based on an analysis of the evolutionary, quote unquote, history of this virus, it made a huge jump. And either it's evolving way too fast and jumping in a way that we haven't seen before, or it was tinkered with in the lab. Probably the latter. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they messed with something in the lab and unleashed it. They just did that with COVID. And I wrote about this in my uh, monkeypox power smoking guns article that accompanied last week's false flag weekly news with Helen. And uh, I tried to sum up the 
uh, it, the smoking gun seemingly showing that this, this monkeypox was you know, predicted in a drill. It appeared on exactly the same day that had been envisioned in the drill a year earlier and on and on and on. Plenty of circumstantial evidence that this is yet another engineered uh, political hoax. They probably tried to scare the, the, the who people at that, that who meeting to pass the pandemic treaty. It looks like that didn't work. So what are they going to pull out next cat? Do they have a, an even worse disease to, to throw at us? Uh, Marburg. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. If there's a Marburg scare, <laughs> you heard it from Kat. Yeah, um, I think there's more truth to that one. But um, as far as this uh, monkeypox, it's kind of interesting that um, um, Dr. Malone just touched on it a bit, the gay angle, how they're juxtaposing the monkeypox virus with AIDS. Um, especially given what we know now about uh, Robert Kennedy's book on Fauci and AIDS, um, it's it's very interesting that AIDS is coming up with this monkeypox as well, and even with COVID. Um, but um, there's what we're seeing is scolding to not blame gay people or make it look like the monkeypox is um, a gay disease. But then there's been simultaneous warnings that men having sex with men need to be especially careful. So um, one health center was advising that monkeypox is not sexually transmitted. And then in the next breath, they said the way monkeypox is transmitted is through contact with bodily fluid. Well, uh, what is sex? Uh, just crazy. It sounds like they're trying too hard to be politically correct. Um, well, let's move on to Occupy Palestine, where there's always bad news. And this week it was a little worse. But well, we were coming up on the June 8th anniversary of the USS Liberty incident of June 8th, 1967, when 34 American sailors uh, were murdered and 174 wounded during a pre-planned, uh, deliberate Israeli attack on the USS Liberty unarmed spy ship. So here's the If Americans New report on that. And then in the next slide... We uh, see that even Haaretz in Israel is getting concerned about uh, this was the what the fourth uh, teenager uh, murdered uh, by Israeli snipers in two days. And back to if Americans knew in the next slide, there's a genocide going on in Israel, Palestine. Uh, and the you know, this, this, it's a cultural genocide according to the definition under international law, as Professor Francis Boyle has written. And you can Google those terms to get the details. And there's a physical aspect of the genocide as well, as this hatred of young uh, Palestinians is expressed by you know, Ayelet Shekhead, the Israeli minister who calls them little snakes and says we have to kill all the, not just the little snakes, meaning the Palestinian children, but the mothers who give birth to little snakes. And so this deliberately sniper murdering teenagers is just part of a, a larger problem in, in, in the genocide of occupied Palestine. Well, it's not just the Israeli military who are attacking Palestinians. Israeli ultranationalists are also threatening Palestinians with abandon. Um, before this year's Jerusalem Day March, 2,500 Jews swarmed the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And so along with their standard chants of Muhammad is dead and let your village burn, they also this year shouted, Shireen is dead, referring, referring to the um, American Al Jazeera journalist who Israeli security forces purposely shot dead in the head. Um, and a lot of them are young um, uh, settler type kids. Um, and there was one ugly photo um, a video of a Zionist kid directly pepper spraying an old woman in the face from about eight inches away. You know, BLM in the U.S. originally supported Palestine. They're sure silent about them now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't heard much from BLM at all lately. Uh, maybe I need to go uh, deliberately try to look something up to see what they've been up to other than uh, having the leaders sitting around in their multi-million dollar mansions. Um, so speaking of genocide, how about the, uh, the COVID genocide? Well, Naomi Wolf, who is a famous uh, left-wing feminist, who apparently has gone off the reservation, uh, she's not on MSNBC anymore, is saying that there's a baby die-off. Uh, and she's, she's talking about the uh, review of Pfizer's data that they wanted to keep hidden for 75 years. Uh, 55,000 internal Pfizer documents have been released, and so they have a team of 3,000 highly credentialed doctors and biostaticians, other experts, going over these documents, and what they're finding, Naomi says, is horrifying. There is a baby die-off. Uh, this uh, It looks like the vaccine targets the reproductive system. It, it goes straight there. It doesn't just stay in the muscle tissue like they lied. They knew it, just like the tobacco companies knew about smoking, killing people uh, for decades. And interestingly, she points out that of the 36 pregnant women in the Pfizer trials whose outcomes were followed, 28 lost their babies. Somehow that strikes me as a much higher ratio than you could possibly get from chance. And now studies from three countries, Canada, Scotland, and Israel, show that babies are dying disproportionately during and after 2021 in highly vaccinated countries, and that they're dying disproportionately if they have vaccinated mothers versus unvaccinated mothers. So she says there's a baby genocide, a baby die-off. She's comparing it to the biblical killing of the infants uh, in Egypt. Uh, And I, I hope that's an exaggeration. But it, it, it looks bad, and it's interesting that she's been totally deplatformed and de-Twitterized and taken off of everything because she's telling the truth about this. Well, probably also because um, the, it, she's she's working with um, uh, his name. I, I lost his name. Steve Kirsch, um, maybe? Or? The war zone, who, who, the war oh, room. Who does the war room? Oh, um, uh, Bannon, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Oh, okay. He's with him all the time. So, oh, heaven forbid. Now she is definitely a white. I, I didn't even know that. She's been, she's been on Bannon's show. Yeah. I, I see people who say, oh, they went on Bannon's show. Well, why wouldn't you go on Bannon's show? You don't have to agree with Bannon to go on his show. I didn't agree with Hannity and, and O'Reilly when I went on their shows to talk about 9-11 truth. I mean, come on. Well, if I'm not mistaken, this, um, this, um, um, studies that she's doing, um, of all of the, um, Pfizer, uh, documents, is in conjunction with uh, Steve Bannon, I believe. But in any event, um, she, this this is a horrific account, and she's written a stunning, extraordinary expose of what Pfizer learned from these COVID vaccine clinical trials. Like, for example, um, they call Pfizer calls exposure to the vaccine, uh, whatever that would be, exposure. It comes from skin contact inhalation, lactation, and sexual contact. I mean, who are you supposed to have sex with? You better, with you better keep uh, social distance from anybody who's been vaccinated. Exactly. To me, the, one of the more glaring um, things they found out is that there were some lactating vaccinated mothers who reported that their breast milk was blue-green. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable the things that they are surfacing. These 3,000 um volunteers, they're not just high school kids or whatever, they're highly credentialed doctors, nurses, biostaticians, medical fraud investigators, lab clinicians, and uh, research scientists. So these people deserve a medal of honor for their brave work on the front lines of the psychopathic war against humanity. Everybody really, really must 
read Naomi's article. It's over the top extraordinary. Yeah, she's great. She's one of she's probably my all time favorite sort of left wing feminist. Uh, she actually wrote about me in her book that came out in like 2007 uh, about the shutting down of the 9-11 truth discussion. And it was a good, balanced, fair minded account. You know, she's she hasn't come out as a hardcore 9-11 truther, but she's pretty hardcore in searching for the truth by way of free speech. So uh, shout out to her. Well, moving on to more more scandals. I mean, they never the scandals never stop. Um, Bush family friend, John Hinckley, who took a pot shot at Ronald Reagan and almost killed him and put George H.W. Bush in the White House prematurely, <laughs> is being uh, unconditionally released. And the judge, uh, this is one of my favorite quotes from a judge, quote, if he hadn't tried to kill a president, he would have been released unconditionally a long time ago. Thank you, judge. Uh, in fact, he probably wouldn't have been arrested in the first place if he hadn't tried to kill the president. Oh, my goodness. Well, well the, yeah, Barbara Honegger has come on my radio show giving a first-person eyewitness account of what happened uh, at the top level of the Reagan administration when Reagan was shot and everybody knew. I'm trying to remember. There was Michael Deaver and there who were the other people involved? These, these top-level, the, the top brain trust of the Reagan administration sat around and just took it for granted that Bush did it. And they uh, conspired to try to make sure that Bush didn't take control while Reagan was incapacitated. Uh, they knew it was a Bush coup d'etat that all of them did, according to Barbara. So if people want to hear that eyewitness account of listening to these conversations of the very top of the Reagan administration, talking about how Bush had been behind his good friend uh, Hinckley, or his family friend Hinckley, shooting Reagan, should listen to my interview with Barbara Honegger. Well, actually, um, Hinckley has been out of prison for five years now, but on a restricted basis. Um, like he has to live with his mother. Um, another thing is he can't contact Jody Foster. So he this, can't shoot any more presidents. Yeah. Well, the latest judgment allows unrestricted freedom. So I'm wondering if he's going to call up Jody or what. Oh, well, you know, if, if, if he, if he managed to take out Biden, uh, that actually might be politically useful for the Democrats. So maybe that's part of it. I doubt it though. I think that's, that's even one step too far for uh, us, uh, professional so-called conspiracy theorists, but clearly there's, there's something wrong. With, with a country where the vice president's family friend, who sure looks like a Manchurian candidate, nearly puts the vice president in the, in the White House. And everybody in the administration says that the vice president did it, but they won't say that in public. Oh, my goodness. Well, moving on to the deep state news. We have more uh, Trumpsters versus the deep state news. Uh, but unfortunately, most of the Trumpsters really are the deep state. Uh, here's former Attorney General Barr uh, talking about the Durham attempt to prosecute Sussman for lying to the FBI. This is all about like, when they did the Trump investigations in uh, in 2016. Who paid for those investigations? Where was that information uh, about Trump's connections to Russia coming from? Turns out it was coming from the Hillary campaign, and they covered it up and lied about it, and that was what this prosecution was about, but it didn't succeed. Oh, well. Um, well, I would uh, disagree with that. Um, well, one thing I want to report that um, Tucker uh um, had a scoop on is that Perkins Cole, the law firm that represented Hillary Clinton's campaign um, and where Sussman worked as well as an election lawyer for years um, had a co-located office with the FBI. So here's the guys on trial and um, Sussman himself of all people oversaw that shared workspace with the FBI for this past year. So talk about conflict of um, of interest. So clearly the point of that shared office with Hillary's lawyer and the FBI was to turn politically motivated dirt into politically motivated investigations. This entire trial was really a proxy trial 
um, against Hillary Clinton. And just because her liar lawyer got off the hook doesn't exonerate the Democrats from their Watergate dirty tricks. Um, it, and it was amazing what Robbie Hook, her own campaign manager, said about Hillary approving all the uh, dirty tricks. No one expected him um, to be a whistleblower because he was the defense's witness. Um, he was like an insider telling the family jewel secrets. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, he's going to get punished by the Clintons for not lying under oath. But this was a Pyrrhic victory because the curtain was pulled back on the Clinton crime family for all the world to see, as well as to see how disloyal and deceitful the FBI is. You can't unring a bell of everything that came out. And just because it was centered on this uh, loophole around Sussman, um, there was a huge victory for democracy. And remember, Sussman is just the beginning. Durham is moving forward with charges against a slew of other scoundrels in service to Hillary and the Democrats, and he'll probably bring them all down on RICO charges. Okay, well, we'll have to stay tuned and people can stay tuned to False Flag Weekly News. And you know, I, my, my reaction to this is like, really, you had to make up stuff to try to discredit Trump? You had, you had to dig up fake dirt on Trump? I mean, come on, there's so much real dirt on Trump. Uh, what's wrong with you people? Uh, really? Maybe the real dirt is, is too dirty. Maybe, you know, exposing Epstein and stuff like that will expose uh, the Democrats at least as much as Trump. In any case, uh, moving on to deep state perp walk news, Alex Jones, wait a minute, he's not part of the deep state, but he is sort of part of the Trump team. He's getting these giant Bitcoin donations that we mentioned earlier. And so if whoever's giving Alex millions and millions of dollars so he can turn it over to uh, the Sandy Hook victims, um, wants to give us a few dollars that we won't turn over to the Sandy Hook victims here at False Flag Weekly News. You know where our fundraiser is. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous, Alex. Where do you, where do you get these Bitcoin fairies? Uh, and, and how do you get the SPLC to find out about every Bitcoin donation that's coming in? I thought Bitcoin was crypto. I thought nobody could find out about it. Well, somehow the Southern Poverty Law Center and its hate squad knows when Alex Jones is getting money and they tell the whole world about it. Well, thank you, SPLC. Well, the bottom line is Alex Jones is being crucified for demanding truth about Sandy Hook. And we should be supporting people like him and Jim Fetzer and not give the light of day to SPLC smear articles like this one. Because um, we are besieged by catastrophic events like 9-11, Las Vegas, Sandy Hook. Um, and our government hasn't been carrying out honest commissions on why these Gladio type events keep happening. And so whoever push, citizens who push for truthful events, um, investigations are just going to come under the scrutiny of state sponsored witch hunts. And so, um, I, I, I leave them alone. Let's talk about the bigger issues. I'm not okay. saying you well, it, it's, it's a pretty pathetic smear article because there, it doesn't name anything wrong that he's, he's done whatsoever, or even attempt to. All it does is say, Oh, somebody, somebody's giving a lot of money through Bitcoin. Okay. There's <laughs> it, the, in, uh, the innuendo of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that method where they just kind of try to assume that you've done something wrong and they write about you in such a way that they kind of trick the reader into sharing your assumption. Uh, very deceptive way of writing. Well, let's move on to woke world stories. We we have two woke world stories this week. And the first one, uh, apparently in Chicago, they're going to do race-based grading to equalize test scores. Apparently, teachers will no longer be able to downgrade students for missing class, misbehaving in school, or failing to turn in their assignments. Um, hmm, if you don't turn in your assignments, I don't know how you're supposed to get a good grade. But uh, what do I know? Anyway, race-based grading seems pretty stupid. Uh, and indeed, uh, it's, it's, it's actually really feeding racism. All of this kind of woke overreaction. Oh, let's, let's bend the system to favor African Americans or whatever. All that does is feed racism. 
I mean, let's uh, let's face it that, you know, it's 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 creating a backlash and it's creating the impression that black students somehow need to be given easier grades than white students, which is a very racist assumption. So, I mean, the people doing this are the racists, aren't they? Um, oh, totally. The whole thing is concocted. What they're going to end up with is grade inflation where everybody gets an A. And what they should just do is um, if they're going to go down this route um, is just do away with grades altogether. That way, it's really up to each individual to succeed on their own merits and hard work. What could be more equitable than that? Okay, <laughs> great. A modest proposal. Uh, no more grades. And in fact, I think Denny Rancourt was chased out of a university for actually doing that. That was part of their excuse for getting rid of him, um, as well as his pro-Palestine advocacy. Okay, so let's go to our final woke world story, uh, the greatest woke world story of the week. Uh, this uh, woman is sexually attracted to planes and wants to marry her Boeing. So as she kisses the nose cone, gazes deeply into the windshield, and lovingly caresses the wings and feels the jet engine start to fire up. So, Kat, do you think she fantasizes about planes full of people wearing masks? Now that is sick, sick, sick. The bowels of her love object is full of sick people. Um, it's like she want, it says she wants to marry um, her, uh, her toy boy. Uh, just call it a boy toy. That's what it is. This whole attraction to inanimate objects is stupid what next i'm being attracted to a meat grinder um but it could be worse consider the marital possibilities of bestiality there you go and i'm sure the uh the s what what is it the the uh the lgbtq will soon have a b for bestiality tacked onto the end and a p for planes and god knows what else because (laughs) western civilization has experienced complete loss of power and is plummeting downward at ever-increasing velocity will it pull out of the dive and manage to make a safe emergency landing Tune in next week and find out. Same time, same channel. Uh, and if the world ends first, you saw it first here on False Flag Weekly News. Well, thank you so much, uh, Kat McGuire. I love doing the show with you. Love the yeah, word. great. Okay. Okay. And thank Take you to care. our viewers and supporters and our fundraiser donors. See you all next week. Inshallah. All right.